The Lord be with you. Thank you very much. Um, I guess we will look at uh, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, If you want to grab a Bible, if you don't have one. If you weren't here at the first service, um, I announced that uh, Pastor McKay and his wife snuck into town Thursday night very late, and yeah, I went searching for houses and uh, made an offer on one in Zionsville. So uh, he sent me a text last night, let me know that. I said, how did it go? So yeah, so uh, the ball is rolling forward, I guess, so that's good. Um, I'm, Monty probably has his timeline, I don't know for sure, but uh, he's got one in his head rolling, so that's a good thing. Um, let's uh, start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you've given your Son Christ to be everything that we cannot be, to be our substitute, to do perfectly those things which we can't, to live a sinless life to take the punishment for our sins upon himself and to raise from the dead, which for us is truly impossible without faith in him. We give thanks for all of these things and we ask that you help us to keep our eyes always fixed on Christ and what he gives us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Sermon on the Mount, particularly the Beatitudes, um, it is the, say the focus of sermon this morning. Um, and it's, uh, if you want to look at it, like many do, I guess, it's, it's quite a to-do list of things that we are to do, um, you know, uh, you're blessed, um, you know, are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn on down the line, um, so, I mean, that easily tells one, well, I should be poor in spirit, and I should mourn, and I should be meek, and I should hunger for righteousness and thirst for righteousness, and I should be merciful, and I should be pure in heart, and I should be a peacemaker, and mm, I should be persecuted. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that, it, if you want to look at it as just law, uh, that's there's nothing good there for you at all, you know. Because okay, maybe for you, there's nothing good for me there at all. If it's just gonna be law, um, because um, yeah, I, you know, I mourn at times. I hunger for righteousness. I I'm not always merciful. Um, you know, and pure in heart. Nope. Um, but it, it, it's not that we're to do all this, we're to realize we can't. Um, God wants to, you know, Christ wants to empty us of any pretense we have that we could keep all of these things and do them. And in fact, what he shows us is he does them himself for us. Um, so uh, one reading I read of this was... In, in, talk about in the sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit for um, through God in Christ 
they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's done through Christ and what he does for us, not what we do for ourselves. So what we have to do is be convicted by the law and that we don't have it in us to do it and be completely emptied, empty vessels that can be filled with Christ and his righteousness. And from that then flows what we do do, albeit not perfectly, but the works and the, you know, our meekness before others, that we hunger for righteousness, that um, you know, for some it might just be moments when you go, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, Lord, forgive me for that. Or, um, you know, you realize you just weren't right with your neighbor and do right by your neighbor. Um, these are all things that Christ has done fully for us. Um, so our blessing comes from having faith in Christ who's done it, not in faith in ourselves. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My throat is not right this morning. Um, so, I mean, this follows early in, in Matthew after Jesus has called uh, several of his disciples and that they go to a mountain. Uh, you know, God appears on mountains throughout the Bible. You know, and when you find yourself on a mountain, you better be uh, looking out because in many instances through Scripture, that's where God meets his people. And so Jesus went up on a mountain, and then he sits down in this uh, position of teaching, and his disciples came to him, um, having already heard the law, having already seen uh, earlier his miracles and healings that he's done. He's doing these to prove who he is, who his, you know, from where he gets his authority, doing things that no mere man can do. Um, so that is really the you know, what we get out of the Beatitudes. They're, they're wonderful things, but they aren't ours. They're His to do perfectly. Um, the, um, probably the, the hardest is the 11 through uh, 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were for you. The idea that we're, we're going to follow Christ and we're going to be persecuted and we're going to take it on the chin or worse when we open our mouths, I mean, that, that for a Christian is pretty self-evident, you know. Um, you know, ask a kid in high school, you know, you want to open your mouth, you want to pray, yeah, you're, no, it's, you're going to get slammed either just by your friends or by the school itself. Um, it's just not something people want to hear. They don't want to hear the word of Christ. Um, or they want to hear it so watered down that it has no meaning. Um, and that's the other horrible option to do. Uh, if you're telling people of Christ and they aren't sort of looking at you and scowling a little bit at first, you know, maybe you need to come from a different angle because um, Christ did come to divide and to use that two-edged sword of the law to pierce people's hearts and, you know, circumcise their hearts to their uh, evil 
intent and their sin and, and give them a new heart uh, like his so we can do his will. So, you know, people at first aren't going to like what they hear um, unless they're already in a terrible place in terms of their own guilt and knowing their sin, which they may have been reading the Bible and figured that out. Um, let's see. If you look at verse 17, Christ came to fulfill the law. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not one dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Um, so the law is always before us. And apart from Christ, um, all it does is condemn us because we can't keep it. And there are many religions, all other religions that attempt to do that. There are Christian religions that claim to do that um, and don't put their faith firmly in Christ to have kept it. But they, they confuse sanctification and justification. And they want their works that are sanctifying, making them holy while they're still sinners, living in the church militant in this world, they want to see those as something that makes them worthy of, of salvation. But salvation's already done, and the faith in that is what allows our works to be sanctifying. Um, and those most often aren't even things that we think that we're doing, but we just do them. Um, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Um, if you start diluting the law and making people feel like that they will justify themselves in some way, that just leads them further down a road away from Christ and what he gives freely. And makes them work all the harder, and then despair will ensue because in those final moments and hours or, or years of life, it's like they look back and you can't help but look at your sin and you know, the way you've treated people, the, you know, the things you've done. And you've got to find some peace in something other than just yourself telling you, well, it wasn't that bad. Because really... The more you think about it, the more you're like, no, it was that bad. It really was. And, oh my gosh, had I been the other person, how would I have felt? You know, and um, I think those are some of those beatitudes, you know, where you wished you were merciful, you know, and now you're sorrowful and, you know, it's just, and, and you hunger for the righteousness that will cover your sin, um, because you see the law of God, and it's just condemning. Um, I think it's very hard for people to look at that as, as blessed. That's something that can just be so, you know, I mean, crushing. Now, if they catch a shoplifter or, you know, something like that, well, yeah, give them the law. Hammer them, you know. You got someone doing something terrible. You know, this, this poor gal last week ran a stop arm on a school bus and killed three kids. I mean, I, I have not heard what she was doing as she was driving, but, you know, I mean, it was, I mean picture, you know, any county road, and uh, she just straight through. 
mowed down like four kids, one's in the hospital recovering, and I guess doing better, but the three all died at the scene. And having driven a school bus a little bit, um, an actual school bus, I can tell you that's frightening when you see people coming at you um, and they don't appear to be slowing down. Um, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't know, you know, you, you, you want the full weight of the law on that person, but then at the same time, you're like, mm, how, could have been me, could have been my daughter, could have been, you don't know. Did she look down at her phone for a split second? Was she tuning the radio? Did, coming around, to, I'm, but the law punishes, and, and she'll be punished. And, and probably the great, any punishment they can give her, just carrying the weight of that through the rest of her life. I mean, that's just going to be flashing before her. I had a dear friend of the family when I was about 14, 15. I wanted to buy his little yellow opal he had, and he, we always talked about driving. And Ron Banker, and he's like, Jimmy, just... just just watch what you're doing when you're driving, because boy, you, you don't want to kill somebody with a car. Either in your car, in another car, he goes, just that's just, just a weight you don't want to carry, you know, all your life. He goes, it will change your life and not for the better um, to have to carry that kind of weight. And that's kind of what sin does to us, you know, especially when we look back. If, you know, if you look, as you get older, some of you, you know, you look back four years. But as you get older and you look back and you think, man, what a blunder that was, you know? And there's no opportunity to make it right. It's just, you know, as they say, oh, it's water under the bridge, but you start thinking to yourself, you know, boy, how that affected people or whatever that you did in your life and, and how you wish you'd never done some things. And, uh, but the forgiveness of Christ is there in all things because we can't do it. Um, so we'll take a moment here and open up the floor and let everybody uh, express a moment they have deep in their past that they want to uh, <laughs> say, gee, I wish that had never happened. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> that would be terrible. Well, that would, you know, would that be the law? Yeah. No. What did you say? We don't have enough time? <laughs> yeah. Probably true. <clears throat> But while there may, you know, inter, there's not enough time. You know, well, okay, so there's not enough time, but there's enough grace. God has enough grace. God is just overflowing with grace for all these boo-boos and all these boo-boos that we have in our lives. Um, and it's a wonderful blessing to have. And that is part of this emptying that's going on here and. Matthew, where he's just, you know, wants the disciples to know, this is not you, this is me. That I am, this is all going to be fulfilled in what I do, and I'm going to fulfill it for you. Just put your faith and trust in me. Um, and that even itself is a gift, that we, can, we are able to do that. Um, let's see. So whoever keeps the law and teaches it, great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, the twist there is, you know, well, these are the guys that are going to be there, and I'm not going to be. 
You know, it's kind of, it goes back to the wealthy, man, wealthy young man. If the wealthy young guy can't enter because he's blessed, and we all know that, you know, blessing is riches and earthly things, and, you know, I mean, this is what they were seeing in their eyes. Um, you know, to have that righteousness as described in the Pharisees, well, boy, if you don't do better than them, um, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, you, you're not going. You're not going to make it, except... For, through me, through Christ. That's what he's telling them. So, and then he goes through, all, starts in on the, we all know of anger, you know, and murder and all the explanation of, of various sins. Um, thus else. Thus else. I don't know. Any thoughts or comments or... Well, this is going to go quick. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's look at real quick. For the fun of it. Revelation. Oh, this is trouble. Revelation 7, 9. Um, this is our, one of our readings this morning, too. And I only go here just to show you the text that basically this, this hymn, uh, Behold a Host Arrayed in White, is basically pulled from. Um, it's a beautiful text, uh, and uh, I think we'll I'll just read this and maybe comment here and there, but I dare not make much comment on the book of Revelation. <laughs> Luther, I guess, did not write a commentary on the book of Revelation, so no, not me. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, verse 9, after I looked, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing there before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Okay, I'll make one comment. Um, great multitude that no one could number. So much for the Jehovah's Witnesses and their 144,000. Um, <laughs> you know, that's definitely a countable number, um, even though the Indianapolis Motor Speedway wouldn't want to say so. Um, but it, it, is, it is a number that can be had. And I, the grace of God is so great, the number that he has in his hand is so great that when we get there, it's just going to be astounding, the number of people. And all people, languages, um, it's God, Christ for not just Jews, but for the Gentiles, the whole creation. Um, and all the angels are standing around the throne and, the, uh, and uh, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Um, what 
what will we do when we see Christ on the last day? Um, fall flat on our faces, probably like them. We, we, it, it will be joy. It'll be, I mean, will it be fear? It'll be a righteous fear. It'll be a, a fear of Almighty God, but a loving fear, and, and at that point, an understanding fear. Um, you know, all things will be known to us. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Um, these are all those who are awaiting the resurrection, who are uh, with God in heaven, um, their souls waiting to be put with their bodies. And it's, it's, uh, it's a great comfort and joy when we have to uh, say farewell to our loved ones and our friends. Um, there's, I think, nothing worse than going to a funeral that has no Christian pretense at all. Um, it's very sad when the, um, the best thing someone can say is, uh, you know, well, Don just loved dogs, and boy, I'm sure glad Don's probably where there are just lots of dogs. And you're like, really? Well, yeah, he gave tons of money, you know, to all these you know, save dog things, and humane. he just loved dogs. And I'm sure wherever he is, there's lots of dogs. And you're like, okay. Um, if that's your hope, you know, how misplaced, how sad um, that you wouldn't want something more. And I, I don't know if they could sing this hymn. Um, but therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. I have a sin to confess. When I was about six years old, I thought heaven was going to be an amusement park where you could ride a train all day long. Um, so I was pretty shallow at that point in my life too. Um, <laughs> but I did grow some, and I think later I thought it would just be Christmas every day. And well, that went so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Uh, probably look back at righteousness. You know, They won't hunger and thirst for that. They'll have it. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Um, the Lamb is their shepherd. You know, we have this theme of shepherds all throughout the Bible, and Jesus is the good shepherd and does what no other shepherd can do, and here it will find its culmination um, where his, uh, all his shepherding, if you will, is to just care for his lambs. Um, something he wants done here and that pastors try to do, and uh, it's difficult, and uh, we are imperfect too, so... Um, but Christ does it perfectly. And so that's why it's important that we deliver Christ. Um, yeah. I don't know. Thoughts? Chuck? Mm-hmm.
Yeah. No, I mean, because God scrambled language, you know, Tower of Babel, because they were seeking to be like God and create a tower that would reach to the heavens. And, and he's like, yeah, no, don't think so. Um, maybe that's the internet today, I don't know. I'm not a prophet. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it sure shrinks the world and makes it easy for us to spread a lot of good, but also spread a lot of bad. You know, it's like... Uh, what if the internet of all things went down and we all had to go back to uh, reading our Bibles and reading, uh, you know, good Lutheran commentaries? We would have to, we would, we would have to somehow give uh, Concordia Publishing House, you know, some serious abilities, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't, you know, language would not be a problem, I don't believe. We'll know God, we'll know each other as we know God and know the spirit of all people and, yeah. And you won't have to worry about people going, oh, yeah, I see what you were. Because <laughs> our sins will be remembered no more by God or anybody else. So, yeah. <laughs> I see no other takers. So, we will stop there. I'm not taking more questions on Revelation. Chuck scared me when he raised his hand. <laughs> that was one of the seminary professors. He's like, you know, yeah, you'll get to your first congregation and you'll be like, oh, what should they do a weekly Bible study on? And he goes, yeah, it'll be Revelation. And he's like, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> Wait till you've been in ministry like 10 years. You know, he goes, there's plenty of other things to do, but don't do Revelation. And what did I do? I turned to Revelation. Yes. Why did uh, Martin Luther not write it? I don't know. It, he never said. I, I, I did, I, Pastor Roman, I read just read that he. That's one commentary he never did was Revelation, and. Yeah. Mm. I, I I'm pretty sure the answer wouldn't be that you know Calvin wrote a better one. So, <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still true today for... A lot of us, and it's like hmm, a lot of poetry, a lot of images, and things like that. That you just kind of you really have to know the front side, inside out. I think to get revelation, don't you think? Yeah. Very true. Okay. I'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the victory you've given us through Christ.
We ask that we would be conscious of it always and seek to do your will, even in our frailty. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.